Welcome to Up Next. I'm Gabrielle Boucher, millennial author and entrepreneur. Each week, I bring to you next generation leaders and millennial game changers to inspire you to change your world. Let's see what's next. Welcome back to Up Next. This is Gabrielle, and this week we're talking about millennials and Trump. It's Trump's first 100 days. How is the next generation feeling about our new commander in chief? This week, I'm bringing on Brian Boucher. He's not only my husband, but he's the best-selling author of a 2016 political book, and I cannot wait to get into it with him. Hey, Brian. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. So Trump and millennials, first 100 days, should we be excited or concerned about the next three and a half years? Well, despite what you hear going on in the national media, I guess you could say the liberal media, I actually think that millennials and citizens of the United States should be very excited about Trump's first 100 days. Something really powerful is going on here. I think what you're seeing is the beginnings, kind of the foundation being laid to a tremendous economic growth period in the United States, which for millennials and others and other generations, Xers and boomers, is actually going to represent a tremendous increase in job opportunities and economic growth in their households. Okay, so break down an economic opportunity for me, because before the election, you actually came on the show and we talked about entrepreneurship. We talked about uh, why this next generation should be excited. We had Josh Charles on. We had a fun little banter. But what do you mean by economic opportunity? Does that mean more jobs? Does that mean lower student debt? Does that mean more companies we're starting out for ourselves? What is your ideal millennial future after Trump's first four years? Well, let's talk about the student debt second. Let's talk about economic opportunity first. We talk about this all the time. More than 60% of millennials actually want to start their own business one day, which in, in one way is very, very encouraging that millennials are thinking like entrepreneurs. But we know, of course, that not every single millennial will grow up and start their own company one day. However, it is a positive thing that they have an entrepreneurial spirit they can apply to creating a new company or an entrepreneurial spirit they can apply internally at another company that they work at. But if we're talking about what Trump has done for millennials in terms of economics, let's look at two things. He's got the ball moving down the field on health care. It suffered a little bit of a setback with Paul Ryan in Congress. That's going to make me angry if we talk yeah. about that too much. I'd say it's more than just a setback. It's a minor, yeah. just a tiny little setback. <laughs> right. of, they only had seven years, but, but, but we'll I get think to that, that in a second. I mean, that's a really important millennial point, though, because, Tremendous. because of Obamacare, we can now stay on our parents' health care until we're age 26. And for many millennials who are jumping ship from their parents, finally at age 26, deciding- Jumping ship, they're being kicked off because the law says, oh, you're 27 right, years old. Right, right. But, but I think that there are naturally some concerns about this generation, about what does the future of our healthcare look like? Well, you and I both know, as millennials over the age of 26, and of course being married, what? We're not that much older what? than 26. Uh, yeah, Let's clarify. But we're older than 26. <laughs> we're just, just, just hit right, me how close to 30 right I am the other day. 26. I almost cried. Uh, yeah, right over 26. But you and I both know the realities of what happens when you come off your quote parents' health care plan. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. It's not like 
you know, because because remember when we were growing up and we were all cushy and, and like on a pillow of our parents' health care plan, and then we get off our parents' health care plan, and everything we were told about Obamacare, not true, not true. The keep your doctor stuff, obviously I could go through the litany of talking points, but if you think specifically about what we were told in terms of cost, I mean, there were some people were, were talking about, you know, perhaps you can get a health care plan for as much as you pay for your cell phone. President Obama actually said that. I don't think I don't I don't remember the last time I went into Verizon Wireless and asked for a new iPhone and a family plan and they said that that would cost me $12,000 a year because right. as you and I know when we signed up for healthcare together it was a 12 12- thousand dollar annual deductible of course it was a catastrophic plan and it was exorbitantly expensive every single month so when it comes to health care yes i think millennials out of their own economic selfishness should be pushing a republican congress to get rid of this disaster right you're talking about the health care bill right right i'm talking about repealing obamacare and pushing forth a new bill that would drive down healthcare costs and deductibles right. and everything else. Right, of course, of course. And I think you and I actually became very clear victims of Obamacare uh, when we had had to, we were actually kicked off of our own healthcare and tried to get back on. We literally said, I think that you were on the phone for what, three and a half hours trying, yeah, to, trying to give someone, like, I just want to give someone money, let me back on. And it's somewhat ironic that we have created a system that demands that everyone and requires everyone have health insurance. However, you're not able to be insured unless you're in one of the open enrollment periods. So it's very clear that the current system is broken. I don't see too many people other than maybe Nancy Pelosi personally very excited about the current system that we have now. But what would a great healthcare system for millennials look like? Millennials are cost conscientious. They don't like to just, they don't have all kinds of money to spend. Right. You mentioned, you mentioned student debt, for example. Uh, average student loan debt coming out of college, north of $30,000. $38,000. I stand corrected. Uh, how about all of the millennials out there that are not in jobs that match their college skill sets? Yep. Tons of them. How many are moving back in with their parents? One third? Is it one third oh, yeah. or two thirds? About thirty-five percent of 30, all thirty-five students who graduate this year will move back in with mom and dad. Right. So nothing what millennials who are over the age of twenty-six have experienced with Obamacare would 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 meld with any of those circumstances that we're talking about. So millennials need healthcare, a healthcare plan, a national healthcare legislation that would allow them to have choices, real choices. When Obamacare was pushed through, it had something in it called the health insurance marketplace. And the only thing that was like a marketplace on the health insurance marketplace was the fact that they called it a marketplace. <laughs> the thing did not have, you think of a marketplace, you think of this robust website like amazon.com. But if you went in some states in the United States, there was one choice. Right. It was like, what is that? It's like a communist grocery store. Yep with a can of beans with a gray label that just says beans. Right. Would you like a health care plan <laughs> or would you like, well, would you like the same health care plan? Right. It was, it was, it's, a, it's a mess. Now, another thing in terms of health care that millennials need to get behind is actual cost controls. If you go back and look at the massive bill of Obamacare, that it did nothing to control cost, actual costs, like 
how much it costs when you go into the emergency room, how much pills and drugs cost when you're in the hospital, like the $8 Tylenol stories. Those are things that millennials could advocate for. You hear the talking point all the time, we need to allow insurance companies to compete across state lines. It may be a talking point, but it's a very valid one. Allow students or soon to be no longer 26 people, millennials, to I actually- I think they call them 27 year olds. 27 year olds, 28 year olds, <laughs> um, under 30 year olds. Um, allow them to go other places when the state that they're in does not have viable health insurance options. Yeah, I don't think that that's uh, just a millennial concern, but I think that absolutely this next generation uh, is probably more likely than anyone else to say, is there an app for that? Which uh, I don't know if there was a marketplace. My goodness, if there was a health insurance marketplace app, it would have cost a trillion dollars to build. At least. And it would have taken two to three times as long to launch. Well, let's talk about safety and security, because as we both know, millennials truly care about safety and security. We're the Columbine generation, where we're the first generation that we really mean it when we say be careful to our friends when we go out on the weekends to meet up for maybe a drink or going to see a movie. We think twice when we go into a crowded room because of the world we now live in. What can millennials expect for the rest of the Trump administration based off of what the president has done to keep us safe and secure? I know this may sound like a glowing endorsement, but I can't I, I can't help but put it this way. When it comes see that he said he can't help it. <laughs> I can't, I cannot help it, but to say that when it comes to millennials and their safety, you're exactly right. We're the Columbine generation, the Virginia Tech massacre generation, but we've also seen incidents of radical Islamic terrorism on our soil, San Bernardino, Fort Hood, you name it, the list goes on and on. We have to now think twice when we go out to a restaurant, a coffee shop, a nightclub for goodness sakes, and going to class as to whether or not we're gonna come out on the other side of the class or the evening safe, a movie theater. Um, so when it comes to this administration, I don't think there's going to be an administration that cares more about the safety of millennials. You can't say the same about Hillary Clinton, the one who lost the 2016 election. You can't say the same for former President Barack Obama. Those two did nothing that tangibly, tangibly, it may have felt emotionally good to hear them talk about safety, but you can't cite anything that tangibly ever made Americans and American millennials any safer in their day-to-day -day life. So you're talking about the reality of safety and security, and I don't disagree with you, but there's also a feeling of safety and security, which is very much tied to how the president and his team, his administration actually communicates about that. So a very clear and recent example is the travel ban or the pause on immigration from certain uh, mostly Muslim nations. So how do you think that the Trump administration would have done better to particularly ease the fears of our generation who heard that it was racist, that it was bigoted, that it, was, um, it wasn't the, the best next step when it came to uh, keeping us safe and secure regarding immigration? I, I, wanna, I don't want to talk about it in terms of a Muslim ban because it wasn't a Muslim ban. I want to say that first. But I also want to talk about, you, talk, you mentioned the word reality. Let's talk about reality and practicality. Because it's one thing to say, I'm going to make you safer, right? It's like the blanket. When you lay down in your bed at night, you put the blanket over, you put it around you, it makes you feel warm. It's like, if you don't have the blanket, you don't feel as safe as you do as when you have the blanket over you. 
but the, the reality of actual security is what do you do when the nut job kicks your door in and you have to respond with some kind of force before the police get there? That's the difference between feeling and reality. So let's talk about this travel ban for a second. If you're now the commander-in-chief facing a world of radical Islamic terrorism, you're, you're facing ISIS, which makes al-Qaeda look like nothing, right? You're facing that kind of threat. And you look at a geographic map of all the nations out there, and you're going, all right, I got airports, I got people coming into the United States in our ports. I've got to make a decision on how I what? Reduce the risk, reduce the incidents that terrorism happens on my shores. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask my national security team to tell me which countries, not people groups, not religious groups, not ideologies, I'm going to right, ask right, which right, right. countries are the highest risk. And was the implementation of this thing done well? No, it was not. I have significant concern as to why Saudi Arabia wasn't included on the list. After all, how many 9-11 hijackers came from Saudi Arabia? Um, I do have significant concern with how it was rolled out. But I do not fault the president and the administration having to make an actual practical decision as to how to reduce the threat until the vetting measures were made better. Right. Well, I think one of the things that we we saw the Trump administration lose out on is the opportunity to educate the millennial generation in particular about what the threat really looks like. One thing I really respect about President Trump is that he realizes that you can't publicize where you're going to be attacking next or your next move because it puts our own soldiers, uh, servicemen and women in jeopardy. But the, the truth of the matter is that many of us, uh, when we were even traveling together, going to airports, and how many people were protesting, even in your hometown of Roanoke, there were like 12 people there. And there 12 were 12 people on the <laughs> corner of the airport that has six gates and maybe two or three takeoffs it was, a day. It was absolutely ridiculous. But, but we saw this surge of millennials and and i remember driving by i'm like please don't be millennials please don't be millennials and then of course of it's of course it's millennials of course great be because so many in our generation have been trained that they should be offended at every twist and turn in the last administration the obama administration really helped propagate that and really rewarded this victim mentality how can the trump administration turn things on its head and actually bring a dose of reality as you say to this generation. Well, let me tell you something about victimhood, all right? We can play this victim mentality as long as you want, but a real dose of victimhood is when the guy with the AK-47 walks into the front of the movie theater and shoots everybody in the head. You want a real sense of victimhood and injury? That's what you need to be talking about. I'm I'm really honestly, I'm I'm getting you're getting me worked up. I'm really sick and tired of thinking about safety and security and anti-terrorism tactics in the United States with a feeling mentality. Well, I feel safe. Well, what the heck does that mean? What does that mean? What happens when the guy walks through the shop, walks through the nightclub, walks through the coffee shop, walks through the restaurant and opens fire? Or when he's done opening fire, detonates his suicide belt? You can complain to me all you want about your victimhood, but I have a big problem when you confuse that with what actually being a victim of terrorism looks like. Right, and I, I don't disagree whatsoever, but I think it goes back to my 
point before, yeah, calm down, Brian. It's going to be okay, right? This is, these are normal conversations we have over breakfast, ladies and gentlemen. But, but we're not teaching millennials just saying don't be a victim. You're really a victim when you start to get hurt or killed doesn't necessarily go back to the opportunity of saying, what does a more safe and secure America look like that is just, that is based off of constitutional principles, but more than anything else, keeps our citizens safe? I think it's twofold, right? I think we have to start believing in America again, right? As you, you, we talk about this all the time. We talk about how millennials will identify that they are a citizen of the world before they'll even identify that they're a citizen of the United States. I can't even – I don't even know what that means. But what I will say is it, it does come down to borders, right? You have to have laws. You have to have borders. You have to have some practical approach to determining who's in your country, who's – coming into your country, what kind of people are coming into your country. It's not about religion. It's not about ideology. I want an immigration system that simply has strict enough vetting on everybody that comes into the United States. Because if it's about safety, it's not just about one ideology. Radical Islam is not the only threat to our national security. It's high up there. It's right. way up there on the scale. But it's not the only threats that can come across our border. Take a look at what comes out of Mexico, human trafficking, drugs, cocaine, all of the spillover effects that come from that. I remember when I was working at The Blaze as a journalist talking to the ranchers in Arizona who literally saw individuals coming over from Mexico with bales of marijuana the size of like a Navy SEAL's backpack and an AK-47 walking into the country like it's no big deal. That's that's what it means to come face to face with the practicalities of what security actually means. It, it's not about racism. It's not about ideology. It's not about certain people groups versus other people groups. What it is, is it's time to increase our vetting standards in the United States. And it's time to start understanding again what it means to be Americans. And that it shouldn't just be as easy as walking across the southern border with a bale of marijuana on your back and an AK-47 with it. What does it mean to come into the United States as a law-abiding citizen if you want to be that when you come here? Well, it, it certainly is more than just the actual attacks on the outside of our country coming in. That is a true threat. We also have quite a, a strong economic threat, which is very much tied to the enormous student debt that this generation is facing. On average, a millennial is $38,000 in just undergrad student debt alone what you can have some of mine yeah what you can have some of mine what do you, you have mr law school what what do you want to see president trump do in the next three and a half years that has a real tangible effect of reducing student debt for not only current debtors but future debtors as well people who are in college as we speak i don't know if it's accurate to call the student debt situation the next bubble but it is a looming crisis well many economic professors and, and specialists are saying that that is the next thing to burst. But even think right. about how our generation isn't getting married. We're, we're staying about seven years longer oh, yeah. to actually get married. Uh, we are not buying homes. We're not investing. And so it, although it may not be an actual, it may not be an actual threat currently, 
it's going to be in a very short period of time. It's actually slowing down our economic revival because we don't have the cash we need to infuse back it into the economy. Much, it very much is. And the quickest way to deal with this is to essentially create legislation that allows companies to help students pay off their student debt more quickly, much like someone invests in a 401k and the company matches it. All right, well, that's all the time that we have to discuss with today. But thank you for joining us, Brian Boucher. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back on the show soon to be able to talk about future issues affecting the millennial generation.